Hey, if you have your Bible today, we're in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, that's the third book of the New Testament. Chapter 10 is where we'll be. If you don't have your Bible today, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. They've got Bibles that you can use today or Bibles that you can have. So if, if you're interested, curious about Luke chapter 10 today, and you didn't bring your Bible or you don't have a Bible when you want one, just holler at the ushers. We've given away more than 700 Bibles since our church began, just like this. So if, if you don't know where your Bible is or you don't have one, put your name in this and keep it. And go, go read the rest of the book of Luke about the life of Jesus sometime this week when you go home. If you just need to borrow one from today and then you, you're going to give it back later, that's great. And on the inside of your bulletin, we have some sermon notes attached there for you to take notes and keep with you. Make sure you reach in and tear those off and get your pen ready so you can follow along today. Because we're in week three of what I believe is the most highly applied sermon series that we've ever done. You say, what do you mean by highly applied? I mean, I think we've got more people doing what we've been teaching in this sermon series than any other sermon series we've ever done. And if you would ask me why that is, I would say, look at the name of the series. We're in a series called Practical Jesus, Everyday Advice from the World's Greatest Teacher. We're dealing with things that people deal with every day. And we're dealing with things that most people want to know, like, how would Jesus tell me to deal with this? And the information that we've been teaching is so practical that we're finding out everyone is dealing with the same thing. So two weeks ago, we opened this series and we talked about how to deal with relational conflict. And every one of us is dealing with some kind of relational conflict that we can apply. So I've talked to dozens of our people who've said, since that message, I've been trying to do this, including one on the sidewalk after our early service. Um, Christian, since that message, man, it's turned my world upside down with how I have to deal with difficult people in my life. Last week, we talked about managing a cluttered life. Because the reality is when we talk to to people about putting Jesus in the center of their life, most of them say, I don't even know where the center of my life is. Like, I am so busy. If I had a center, I'd try to put him there. But, like, I don't know how I can fit Jesus into what I'm already trying to do. So we talked about what Jesus says about managing a cluttered life so you can leave room for what we called God and family last week. And this week, we're talking about how to make a difference. Because our mission statement as a church is to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. But most people say, you know, I'd love to make a difference. I don't really know how or I don't know who to connect to. I don't know where to connect to. So Christian, I mean, I would love for my life to count for something, um, but I just, I don't think that's me. And we're a church that's not content to just connect people to Jesus. We want you to be connected to Jesus. We want you to love Jesus. We want you to learn about Jesus. As a church, we gather on Sundays so that we can grow spiritually and be transformed spiritually. But every time we leave, we we gather to grow. We scatter to impact. It's my goal that everyone in our church is making a difference in the life of someone. So today, if you were to ask Jesus, well, Jesus, how, how do I do that? Or if we were to actually... Look into the life of someone who said, Jesus, how exactly do I make a difference the right way? We find ourselves in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus was asked a question, given an answer, and then he he followed up with a second question that was given an action. So I want to show you what happened here in this conversation with Jesus. If you've grown up in church, around church, if you went to Christian school, Catholic school, some type of parochial school, you've heard this story before. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we see from the parable of the Good Samaritan how you and I every day can make a difference in life. And here's what it says. On, the, on, an, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is a great question. I think it's a question many people around the world have. We all face the reality of death. 
And we want to know what comes after death. And most people start their spiritual journey with this thought, what happens after I die? That's a good question to have. And if you're here today and you don't know what happens after you die, then today you can answer that question by beginning a relationship with Jesus. But for those of us who have answered that question, it's the second question this guy's going to ask in a minute about how to not just be have, have eternal life taken care of, but how to live in this life making a difference. So he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, what is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. If you have your pen or your pencil, circle that word justify in your Bibles. You, you could write next to justify the words just in case. Like he said, okay, I know the answer. Like I got the answer right on the test, but what is the action? Like I know you're supposed to love God and love people. Right, I got the answer, but what is the action? How do I love people in a way that's good enough? I, I want to make sure just in case I'm doing it wrong, I want to make sure I'm justified. I want to know what you're doing, what I'm supposed to do. So wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, he told a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and he went away, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this guy had a conversation with Jesus one day and he said, Jesus, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, do this. And he said, great, I've done that. Now, what else is there? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, okay, how exactly do I do that? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story and you can tell me what you see about how to do that. And it's funny what happened because as Jesus begins to tell this story, Jesus kind of turned upside down every, every thought that people had about how somebody really makes a difference or who really makes a difference or what organizations really make a difference. Jesus, in answering his question, how do I make a difference, said probably everything you think you know about people who impact others is wrong. So let me help you understand this for you. And in this parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus begins by talking about the misconceptions that people have of how to make a difference. The misperceptions that people have about why they can't make a difference. Jesus says, before I tell you how to make a difference, let me tell you everything you think about making a difference is probably wrong. And if you can cut through that and kind of tear down what you think so you can learn a new way of thinking, I think you could radically impact your world. So Jesus said, you have to first learn about the misconceptions of making a difference. And here's the misconceptions, here's the misperceptions that people in Jesus' day had about having to make a difference. Here's the first one we see. There's this thought that you need to have a job where you can really make a difference if you're going to make a difference in the world. And a lot of people, when they hear our mission statement or when they hear us say, man, make an impact for Jesus, they said, I'd love to do that, but like, that's not who I am. Like, 
If I had a job to make a difference, you know, I could do that, but I really don't have time. Once I get done with everything that's important in life, I really don't have time to make difference. And it's funny how many of us choose the job that we're going to work in. It's funny how many of us actually select a career path based on wanting to make a difference. So we get the spirit of this. Like when I talk to teachers, there's not a teacher in the world that I know that has chosen the teaching profession based on the income that they will earn. They all choose the profession because they want to impact kids. There's not a coach that I have met playing sports and now coaching sports with my son and with my daughter that I've met who chose the profession of coaching because the hours that you got to keep as a coach. They chose the profession because they wanted to help people. There's, there, there, aren't any, there aren't very many doctors or nurses that I know who didn't go into medicine or nursing because they, they had an experience where a doctor or a nurse really helped them and it shaped them. And they thought, I want to do that for someone else one day. Or they saw the impact they could have on hurting people. Most people choose their profession based on wanting to help people. I think about bankers. The more bankers I get to know, to know, the more I realize that many people who work in banking are people who really want to help people have and manage money and make sure that, that they never have to live in a state of poverty. It's, it's a desire to want to help someone. Lawyers, architects, engineers, IT people, technology, businessmen and women, small business owners. Most of us choose our career path based on wanting to help people And then we get so busy in that career path that we don't even like our jobs anymore. And we forgot that we chose those jobs to make a difference, not to make an income. And all we really do is make an income, but we've stopped making a difference. Jesus in this parable presents to us two people who were paid to help others in their jobs. But they forgot that that they wanted to make a difference and they failed to stop and help this man. He presented to us two people who not only were paid to make a difference, it was not only their occupation to help people who needed help, but it was actually their God-given, God-assigned role in the nation of Israel. He kind of starts it like a bad joke, right? Like a priest went down to Israel, and then a Levite went down to Israel, and then like a rabbi joined. Like, we've heard that joke, right? So Jesus says a priest was going down. And we think priest, priests are supposed to help people. Priests are supposed to care about people. And as a matter of fact, in Israel, much like many of you grew up in a, in a Catholic faith or a faith that had, had a priest, in Israel, people didn't get to choose whether or not they wanted to be a priest. They were either born into the priesthood or anointed into the priesthood or they were not. And Jesus said this priest who, like it was his God-given task on earth to help people, he ignored this guy who needed help. And then a Levite. A Levite was born into a particular tribe, into a particular state, into a particular family in Israel. And the Levites had been chosen by God. They were the only ones who were allowed to serve people in the temple. The Levites were born and raised to serve people. And Jesus said a Levite went down. He saw this guy and he just left him there. And what Jesus was trying to show those of us who think that making a difference is just, it's just based on our job. Jesus is trying to show us the fact that making a difference is not occupation-based. Making a difference is not about where you work or what your job is or how often you work. You, you don't, you're not making a difference just because of the job that you have. Making a difference is not an occupation thing. Another misconception that people have or a misperception that they have about making a difference is a lot of people think that you have to serve at a, at a place, like a specific place, if you're really going 
to make a difference. And it's here in the story where we probably find out why the priest and the Levite didn't help this man who'd been beaten and robbed, who was laying in the ditch according to Scripture. Because a lot of us say, you know, Christian, I, you know, I go to this place and that's where I make a difference. And once a month I go to this place and I make a difference. Or once a year, our small group, we, we go and we serve and we make a difference. Or, you know, one time I went on a mission trip and in that place I'm in, and we connect, we connect making a difference with a place rather than a person. You know, as you read this narrative in the context of history 2,000 years ago, what you need to know about this narrative, it'll make a little more sense, is that priests and Levites and wealthy Jews all took their vacations to Jericho. Jericho was the place everyone went to relax. Jericho connected to the Jordan River, and you left mountainous desert terrain, and you went to Jericho, and Jericho is where you went to the beach to relax. And what we find is a priest whose job is to help people, but he's on vacation. And we find a Levite whose, whose role, his God-given role in life is to help people, but he's on vacation. And we see people who, there's no doubt that had this beaten man been brought to the temple, there's no doubt that the priest and the Levite would have helped him if someone would have brought him to the place people get help. But just out in church, or j- just out on the highways, just, just out on the road on the way to vacation... It was kind of like, you know, we've been helping people all week and somebody else is going to have to help you. And we get into this mindset that making a difference is a place. And if on a Saturday morning we happen to get up and go to this place where people help people and where people come for help, then, then we can help someone. But we forget the Monday through Friday, every day, people that we interact with. We forget our neighbors. We forget the kids that play on our ball teams with us and their parents and their families and the coaches. And we think we, we, we take making a difference and we just, well, we make a difference here and then I live life every other day. Jesus is teaching us this fact that making a difference is not activity-based. Making a difference is not something you go and do. Making a difference is supposed to be somebody you're becoming as Jesus changes our misconceptions and our misperceptions about what we're doing here. And then Jesus as we study Bible study methods, and if you ever go to Bible college and you study Bible study methods, they'll tell you anytime you read a text, you need to see that text through the lens of the audience. So who's there? So certainly there were some priests and some Levites there that Jesus was preaching to. But there were some Jews who who weren't priests and Levites there who were hearing the story. And Jesus was trying to break down this misperception in their life that, that, uh, that listen, just because you invest in a place that's supposed to make a difference doesn't mean you're making a difference. Because a lot of people think, and his audience would have thought, listen, they w- his audience that he was speaking to, the Jews, they would have been grossly offended at the priest and the Levite because they brought their offerings to them so they would help the people on their behalf. It was kind of like if you're a Jewish person listening to this, many of you in here have had a bad church experience. You've been burned by a pastor who wasn't very pastoral. You've, you've been... You've been burned by a priest who wasn't very priestly. You've had some Christian in your life that you didn't think met the standard of Christianity. And I I will give you this hint. There's not one Christian alive who will always meet the standard of Christianity because of this piece of humanity we still have in us. But you can imagine this Jewish crowd. They're hearing about a priest who let someone down. And they're like, man, that's what the priests always do. And they're hearing about a Levite who didn't help somebody. And they're thinking, man, that's why I quit giving my money to the temple. They're, they're in this crowd thinking, you know, these guys are supposed to help people on our behalf. Like we give to them so they'll make a difference. 
And Jesus is saying, that's, that's not the way it happens. You don't invest in someone else to make a difference on your behalf. You have to go and do it. In Luke, in Luke 11, 42, just another chapter over, Jesus speaks to this exact thing with the Pharisees who decided they would give their money, but they weren't ever going to help anyone. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth. Like they were tithing, not just on their money, but on their herbs and spices. You give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, of all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice. It's helping people who need help. And the love of God, denying love to people who need love. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus is like, do both. Like invest in an organization that's helping more people than you could help on your own. But don't not help people just because the organization is supposed to. So so Jesus is showing us this fact that making a difference is not organization-based. You don't make a difference just because of what you belong to or what you give to or where you go to church. Making a difference is supposed to be something that becomes deeply personal. So about a month ago, I was having a conversation with one of our elders' wives. And in this conversation, I really got, I got challenged on this exact point. And I've really been thinking about it for about a month now. Because she asked me the question, how do you, how do you think our church is doing? How do you think our people are doing? And that, I mean, that led, to, I mean, you can answer that a thousand different ways. We talked through some stuff. And I said, how do you think it's going? And she says something that's really stuck with me. And she said, you know, I don't, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably not using the right words, but she was like, you know, I, um, like, I don't know if our people get it when it comes to like helping people in the community, you know, and as a pastor, like I'm like Papa Bear of our church and what we're doing. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, do you know how much money we're as a church are giving to this community? Like, do you know how many man hours our people are putting in serving in this community? And I was a tad offended that that, that, that comment was made. And she didn't say it this way, but the point that the Lord allowed to stick in my heart was basically, listen, I know we're making an impact. Like, I know we're helping. But I don't know if real transformation is happening in the lives of people we're we're helping. Like, are we having impact or are we having transformation? And is the goal transformation or like, do we just want to give some money and show up every now and then? And I'll tell you what really convicted me as I went home and I just thought about this for a week or two. Danielle and I and our kids have a few girls in India that, that we support through our church to pay for everything that they have. And when we were over there in India a few years ago, um, one of the girls that we support is, is an eighth grader, and her name's Jebba Priya. It's one of the only people whose names I remember well. And let me tell you why. Because when you're over there serving in the orphanages in India, these little girls have very few adults that they ever come into contact with, and they follow you around, and about every three minutes, they'll pull on your, your shirt and they'll say, What's my name? What's my name? And they want to meet someone who remembers their name. Like that's their goal, that you will remember their name. And I thought, I've got this girl six, eight, ten thousand miles away in India who I know her name because I shot towards transformation. And I thought about two years ago, I took my kids and we went over and helped serve Thanksgiving dinner with, uh, with an organization here in town. And I helped load more than a hundred Thanksgiving dinners personally into people's cars at this center just one at a time for four or five hours and I didn't ask one of them their names. And I thought, am I trying to transform the life of people or am I just like checking the box? And I wonder if as a church, if we're making an impact but not targeting transformation. Like are we feeding someone's stomach without even caring about feeding their soul? And this is what Jesus is saying here. I'm really excited. We've hired a new pastor who starts in two weeks. His name's Scott Courtney. 
Scott's going to be the pastor of family ministries and community outreach at our church. And I sat down with him two weeks ago, and I basically said, Scott, we're giving a lot of money away in our community, and we're doing a lot of what I would call community service. But I don't feel like our people are really engaging. I don't know that our people are engaging, getting to know the names of people, getting to know the life stories of people, getting to know where they live. Like, it's easy to go and serve and then leave. I want you to dream a dream that has people going, not just doing their small groups, but starting to do small groups like where these people live. And not just serving a meal, but serving a meal and knowing their story and maybe trying to, trying to help feed their soul, not just their life. See, Jesus is saying, making the difference is not organization-based. It's not a place you serve. It's not a place you give to. It's an attitude of the heart that says, I don't just want to check a box, I want to change a life. Did you get that? It's an attitude of the heart that says, I don't just want to check a box, I want to change a life. And I think in American Christianity, it's real easy to go serve in an underprivileged neighborhood and feel really good about yourself, yet yet to have cared very little about making a real difference. Let's make transformation instead of impact. So how do we do that? Jesus tells us now, as he begins to focus on the Samaritan about the truth about making a difference. So he's broken down all the misconceptions and the misperceptions that we've had. And he's, he's now kind of deconstructed the entire theology of, I go to church, I give to church, I serve at this place. And Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's got to be more basic than that. And he begins to show us the truth about making a difference through the Samaritan. And here's what he wants us to know. Number one, as we read through scripture, we learn that making a difference is a part of your spiritual DNA. Like if you are a Christian, there's something inside you that wants to make a difference and has been created to make a difference. And here's, here's the difference between a spiritual DNA of wanting to make a difference and a job that makes a difference. The Levite and the priest in this story, they had a make a difference desk job. And when they went to work, they got to help people. But they didn't have a make a difference DNA because there's no way you can walk by a man who's beaten and robbed, laying in a ditch, and not care just because you're on vacation. So they proved they had the right job, but they had the wrong DNA. And the reality is it doesn't matter what our job is if our DNA is correct. And in Ephesians 2.10, here's what we're told about every Christian. So if you're in the room and you've given your life and your future to Jesus, here's what the Bible says about you. For we are God's handiwork, he's talking specifically to Christian people, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you're a Christian, God has something for you to do, and he's prepared your heart to want to do it. That's the way it works spiritually. What we have to figure out is how exactly that works for us. But the reality is you have difference-making DNA. I want you to say out loud, I have difference-making DNA. That wasn't good enough. Say it again. I have difference-making DNA. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, I have difference-making DNA. Now turn to the other person sitting next to you and say, I didn't choose you because I didn't know you. Now that would have been weird, right? And for all of you who didn't say anything to anyone, like I, you know, you have, you can say to me, you have difference-making DNA. But the, the reality of Christian DNA, Jesus' teaching is that when a Christian sees a need, they meet a need. The reality of Christian DNA is see a need and meet a need. Sometimes we don't do this because the needs are just so big. It's like, Christian, where do we, like, where do we start? I see needs everywhere. I love what Mother Teresa, who will be remembered for giving her life to helping people, said. She said, I can't help everyone, but I can help one. 
It's one of the greatest quotes on planet Earth. I can't help everyone, but I can help one. And just a day at a time, a person at a time, she's trying to do what she can do. Christian DNA is see a need, meet a need. Let me tell you how this works. Some of you are going to go celebrate Mother's Day today at a restaurant. You're going to sit down at a table, and a waitress is going to come to serve you. And you engage in dialogue with this waitress, and you find out that she has kids. And you find this mother who's working on Mother's Day. Let me tell you how you meet a need. You give the biggest tip you've ever given in your life to that mom who's working on Mother's Day to say, man, we believe in you. It's just a little thing, right? That's a little thing that will bless somebody for a long time. How about the people you work with? Have you learned to read their body language? How about the person who always comes in three or four minutes late? Maybe you're a boss and you're ticked off at them that they're always late. Maybe you've not stopped to say, hey, what? tell me what's going on. Maybe you don't realize they have to drop three different age kids at three different schools and then they've got to do this and that and the husband is left and no one is there to help. Like what if we would try to understand people's situation rather than just judge it? See, Christian DNA is see a need, meet a need. When's the last time you looked into the eyes of someone you work with or someone you live next to or someone you interact with often and you just see that their eyes are sad and you stop to say, man, what's going on? Christian DNA is see a need, meet a need. You don't have to do, go to church. You don't have to give to church. You don't have to connect with an organization. You just got to have spiritual DNA that says, I want to help. The reality, number two, is you were made to make a difference. Every person in this room was made to make a difference. I believe you can make a difference, and it connects with number three. Jesus, through this story, helps us understand that anybody can make a difference if they live like Jesus and if they care like Jesus, regardless of their position in life. Anybody can make a difference if they care like Jesus. And here's, here's what Jesus does in this story to kind of flip the script on what's going on. You know, it's funny that the word Samaritan now, and you think of Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son's ministry, Samaritan's Purse. We think about the phrase Good Samaritan. The news uses it. The papers use it. Anytime somebody just does something friendly for no reason at all, they, they talk about them as a Good Samaritan. The word Samaritan and the Samaritan people in Jesus' days, that would have, that would have been a vulgar term. It, it would have today been a term that the courts would have probably struck down as, as being hate language or hate speech. Because let me tell you who Samaritans were. And I, and I can't, I, I won't take 10 minutes to give you the history of it. But just real quickly, Israel had a civil war. Americans understand this well because of our own history of civil war. And Israel divided north from south. The, the, the north kept the name Israel. The south took the name Judah. It's kind of like the United States and the Confederacy. Um, And eventually the north was conquered by a country from up north. So it would be like Canada coming down and conquering the northern section of the United States during Civil War. And what happened is they killed almost everyone in the northern section of Israel. Those they didn't kill, most of them, they made them move to Canada. And then they took all the Canadians and they repopulated northern part of the United States with them so that it could never be ethnically American again. And then the poorest of the poor who were left behind, basically those, that invading army that came in, they basically raped and pillaged all the women and girls there. And all these women and girls had children out of this sexual abuse who were kind of half one nation, half another nation. And these children became a great mark of shame that the nation was defeated. And they were known as Samaritans. They were half Assyrian They were half Israeli, and basically the appearance of them on planet Earth was a reminder that we lost. 
It was a reminder that we were conquered and the Jews wanted to have nothing to do with them. And even when the good-hearted Samaritans tried to come south and move into, move into Judah, they said, you can't come. Like, you're not us. You're not all of us, so you're none of us. And the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Jews wouldn't go to Samaria. Samaria. Samaritans wouldn't go through Jerusalem. But Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of this story. Now, forever and ever, through Bible study methods, I've been looking at this story thinking that Jesus used the worst of the worst to shame the priest and the Levite and the Jew. But I never looked at it at the perspective of a Samaritan. And this week as I'm studying this, I thought, what if there was a Samaritan in the crowd hearing this story? And I asked myself this question, would they have been offended? Would they have been offended that they were kind of key to the plot line of what the Jews were doing? And for the first time, I thought, you know what? I bet they weren't offended. I bet they were excited. Because this was probably the first time in their life that they ever heard a respected Jewish rabbi say, a Samaritan living the right way can make all the difference in the world. And I think the Samaritan went away that day not offended that they were the butt of the story, but excited that they were the central point of that story because the most respected Jewish rabbi of their day had said, if a Samaritan cares the right way, they are the hero. And I have to wonder if that Samaritan didn't go help someone. I have to wonder if that Samaritan didn't go back to his town and say, this is what Samaritans can be. And I have to wonder 2,000 years later, when any time our church goes and serves in a disaster zone, and the very first people there are Samaritan's purse, I have to wonder if this Samaritan didn't go home and say, Jesus said we could make a difference. And it may only be for one person at one time, but Jesus said we could make a difference. What's the question? How, how, Christian, how do I make a difference? The answer is very simply that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 10. You just have to be attentive to the world around you. You just have to be aware of the world around you. Scripture says this, this man who was beaten was beaten and he was thrown in a ditch, which means that the traveler had to get their eyes focused off of where they were going and what they were doing to the world around them. You know why, my, why more of us don't make a difference in our daily lives? We're just too busy. How is it that we can go to the same Starbucks every morning and get coffee from the same person every morning for a year and we don't know their name, we don't know their story, we don't even know or understand what's going on in their life? How do we eat at the same restaurants and have the same waiters and waitresses and we never get to know their name? How do we live next to people that we've never shaken their hand and asked them their story or invited them over for a cookout? Why is it that we're so busy that we can't ever stop to look in the ditch and make sure that everyone around us is okay? say, Christian, man, I'd love to have a life where I can make a difference. Then just wake up to the world around you. Because you can make a difference today. And you can make a difference tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And guess what? You don't have to carry the banner of a church. You don't have to carry the sign of an organization. You were made to make a difference. And if you're a Christian, there's something in your DNA that desperately wants to do this. You're just trying to figure out if you have time, if you have more money. Jesus said, it's not about giving more of your time to a place. It's not about giving more of your money to a place. Be aware to a hurting world around you and just engage. Be the Samaritan. Just be the one who cares and watch the world be impacted by you. Let's pray together.